2: Greater experiences start with reimagined consumer experiences. Visit AccentureInteractive.com to see how we're combining creativity, strategy, and technology to make businesses healthier and consumers happier. That's AccentureInteractive.com.
1: Hi everyone, you're listening to Yeah, that's probably an ad. I'm your lead host for today, Sammy Main, the social editor here at Adweek Magazine. Joining me as co host today is our lovely producer and digital projects editor, Anya Fernando. Oh my God, thank you for having me. How's it going today? Good. This is like a different experience. I'm mm-hmm. usually just like hovering awkwardly in the back, sort of like <laughs> making sure we can hear you guys. Mm-hmm. Now I'm actually part of it. You always document with a very good boomerang, which mm-hmm. we'll need to do later today. Oh my God, yes, we have to do one. Of course. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Anya. Of course. Uh, Also, joining us today are two guests in our stewed. Uh, Joining (laughs) us for yet another amazing TV profile is Jason Lynch, our senior editor in the TV department. How's it going, Jason?
0: Hello, Sammy. How are you?
1: I'm good. How do you feel after, you know, an intense upfronts?
0: I have hit the zombie portion of Mm -hmm. of upfronts where you, and I think I'm probably going on about 10 hours sleep total for this Mm. week. and. Mm. All the shows, thinking back of all, well, you know, blending together. And, um, <laughs> I'm just looking forward to sleeping this weekend.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Aren't we all? That's oh, very yeah. relatable. And thank you so much for all the work because upfronts, it looks like working parties. Oh my God, <laughs> it is. The whole week. That's too much. Uh, our other guest this week is none other than frequent behind the scenes, you know, voice leveler, podcast expert, and video producer, Joshua Rios. Hi, Josh.
3: This is my first time on actual mics. I'm gonna. I'm really excited. Yeah, not how's it be, going? I'm glad not to be in the shadows for once. You mm-hmm. know, shadow producing and doing audio mm-hmm. stuff.
1: That's like very Lion King one and a half of you. Kind of like <laughs> the other half of the pride. Like don't now, think a lot of people remember that movie. I'm gonna
3: put that <laughs> out there right now.
1: Just <laughs> me. Okay, I think it had good songs, but I don't really remember them now. Don't quiz me on it. It was mm-hmm. essentially
3: the first movie on a different point of view.
1: Yeah. yeah, like the other the other side of, I, mean, <laughs> I miss that. It's hmm. for a different podcast, maybe. Okay. Um. So, uh, as usual, we're going to be talking about all things marketing and media and you know technology, all that good stuff. So to get us started, let's get started with some news. Uh, Now, Josh, I'm really excited to talk to you about one of our first news items. Like we were saying, this week was Upfronts, which is the time for networks to kind of show off some glitz and glam to potential advertisers who might, you know, want to spend money on their pretty, pretty shows. Um, But right at the start of it was kind of some drama. Could you walk us through kind of what happened and the response and then what happened after the response?
3: So last week was a real bloody week of <laughs> great stuff getting canceled and not canceled. So one of the shows that was put on the altar was uh, on Fox, mm-hmm. was one of my favorite shows of all time.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Brooklyn Nine-Nine was canceled. and It was
2: tragic. Everyone was so upset.
3: I was real hurt. Like, I, I didn't work <laughs> for a solid hour because I was just like, why, why did the nice show have to go? Why did <laughs> yeah, the show yeah. that really didn't hurt anybody...
1: Yeah, so Mm -hmm. for people who maybe don't watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine or weren't really aware of what was happening, what's the show about and why did it kind of create such a splash when it was canceled?
3: Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is, at its core, a cop comedy. Amazing. With an ensemble cast with different characters, all zany in their own way. Mm -hmm. But at first it started off that way, but as the years went on, it became more about a diverse cast of characters Mm -hmm. that involve different ways of working it out, such as diversity and also... They dealt with a lot of LGBT issues in which they never made it a, oh, special episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Somebody right. comes out of the closet. Mm-hmm. It more became a natural thing across the show. And so as it got on, it got better. They even like got to the point where they discussed like, police, like, policing in our communities. Mm. And so over this groundswell, it was a good show. Yeah. Nothing mm-hmm. too crazy. No, nothing like a real crazy event. But when it got canceled, it sort of became a thing in which your soul got ripped out of you.
1: Oh, wow! Okay,
3: it was one of those things, like, it's comfort food.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
3: Imagine if your favorite pizza place just closed down and it was the same equivalent of just that being. Oh, my God. Since I've me.
1: lived in New York, my favorite vegetarian place has closed twice because they had two oh locations and each one. How so
3: does that feel? She knows. Awful. Yeah.
1: They moved to North Carolina. Yeah. I don't know.
3: Anyways. So the internet wasn't no Severe uproar, making memes and using quotes from the show to displace their emotions and how everything was going on. Mm-hmm. Even creators, um, Guillermo del Toro and um, Lynn manuel Miranda, of all people, came out of the woodworks of being like, I can't believe this is happening.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like that happens sometimes when beloved stuff gets shut down. So what made this different or what ended up happening?
3: They a- – in the age of the internet where everyone is angry, everyone was angry at the same thing. So they started calling. They started bringing in uproars. They started making trending stuff worldwide. Everyone was just watch the show, watch the show, watch the show. And a lot of people who haven't heard of the show actually jumped on at that point mm-hmm. to see what was going on.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And they finally discovered the love of just a good, wholesome show with a bunch of zany characters and Terry Crews talking in a third person every so often. <laughs> um, and that happened for like a day. Mm-hmm and then we got news from NBC that they uncancelled the show.
1: da Yay.
3: Which happens sometimes like shows have been uncancelled before like but it,
1: usually not within a day. Yeah, that day. was super fast. Yeah.
3: And um
1: which is great. So you were able you were kind of on the ground so to speak during upfronts and you were able to talk to some of the cast about it.
3: Yeah. Um I have never seen people excited to be on a red carpet before, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. genuinely excited. Like we interviewed a bunch of other people, but the Brooklyn Nine-Nine cast was some of the most excited people to be on a Mm -hmm. network and they were excited to talk to cameras and talk to everyone about the show and how grateful and happy they were with everything, with all the outpour of love and everything. Mm -hmm. So they were just fantastic. They were great to interview, which is on adweek.com right now. Check out the Mm -hmm. videos. They're really funny. (laughs) Um, But... They were just very humbled and very appreciative of everyone. And it was weird watching other NBC shows like people from This Is Us and Superstore interact with them and just be genuinely excited as well to be like, welcome Aww. to NBC, welcome Aww, to the family, yeah. welcome so home. Nice. And they were just really excited. I think the weirdest part is when Triple H from WWE fame came over to Terry Cruz and they had a moment of Triple H being like, I really enjoyed your show. I'm glad you're back. And then doing like a real muscly like hug thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's a real muscle hug. Real muscle <laughs> hug right there. You yeah, um, definitely know who Triple H is. So, great. Yeah, don't. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, I have a
2: confession. <laughs> I've never seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay. I've caught a few episodes. And but, now, now I want to, though. Yeah. Okay. Like after hearing about this. Um,
3: it starts off really generic, in which it's a man-baby dealing with his problems. Mm-hmm. And then there's some characters who are very creepy. But as it goes on, it gets way better. Okay. I would like to show, like, I think the best example of this show would possibly be the box episode with Sterling K. Brown.
1: Okay. Mm. Oh, my God. I love it him. It is a
3: condensed episode of what I believe is the best aspect of the show put together.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. I'm box. watching. We heard it here first, mm-hmm. folks. Done. Uh, the other piece of news we wanted to touch on today uh, was, you know, mm, I don't know how many of our listeners are local to New York or do business frequently in New York or have ever heard of the subway system, um, <laughs> but it's on fire. It's terrible. It <laughs> when I say on fire, worst. last year, literally, it was on oh, fire. Oh, yeah, they were frequently on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also have a shiny new candidate for for governor named Cynthia Nixon. Who is now uh, amazing. Um, so she kind of released okay. this week a hashtag Fix Our Subway campaign um, that kind of uses the, the imagery of the subway lines and catchy and pithy sayings and phrases in order to drum up, you know, kind of her point of view or what she would do in order to fix the subway lines. Um and we, we did want to know, Anya, how do you feel kind of as a New Yorker? What does this campaign kind of signify? What What's the big deal?
2: So I think it was really smart of her to do this. And she's really targeting Governor Cuomo, like, specifically about the subway. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like it's a universal complaint among all New Yorkers. Like, no one's going to be like, oh, what? There's no problem. Yeah, no. Like, Everyone can relate to it, you know, yeah. I think it was very well done. Mm-hmm. And the signs themselves are pretty funny, like, sick of this BS, mm-hmm. right? Where are the MFing trains? Mm-hmm. Like, just, like, little funny sayings. I think it was pretty smart of her to do. She also went down to one of the busiest subway stops on Thursday mm. <laughs> to see the L train and how it was doing oh, from no. 7 to 9 a.m., Oh, and she, okay. there are pictures of her in it, and it is just a swarm of people, mm. 10 deep, trying to get in. And she's like, well, I don't really have anything else I need to <laughs> say. Just
1: look at this. It doesn't work for her, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. No, I yeah. mean, they think they're funny. They're jokes New Yorkers have been making, and it does feel kind of, I don't know, super relatable, which is what totally you want lame. in a yeah. candidate, maybe, Yeah, these days, at least. I think so. Uh, do we think these kind of – this campaign would be effective for her? Do we think this is going to move the needle and kind of the support for her as governor? What do we think? So,
2: of course, Cuomo had a response and was Great. like, oh,
1: an actress being theatrical,
2: typical, right? Like very dismissive of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I think people who think of her that way will continue to think of her that way. You know what I mean? True. Like yeah. just an actress. She doesn't know anything about politics. You know. Right. so it for those people I don't think it would make a difference mm-hmm. but maybe some who are on the fence um and we're like hey she's actually talking about something that's important to me mm-hmm. I think it could make a difference for them
1: Now Jason sure. I know you're a New Jerseyan tell, <laughs> tell me about <laughs> your Is that a term New Jerseyan New Jersey. Jerseyan uh utah uh tell me about any of the train woes you've had and I know you can't maybe I mean it's 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 New Jersey
3: New Jersey
0: Transit yeah I mean I've been I've been I've had a train derail and hit my train less. So, I mean, we have, we have our share of fun, but I mean, certainly I've been (laughs) on the subways for decades and decades and decades. And, and, you know, agree that that the service has gotten even worse over the mm-hmm. past couple of years. So it's a, it's a fantastically timed campaign mm-hmm. um, that hits at the heart of anybody who lives or works in New York because it is something that you have to deal with. And whether it doesn't affect you, it affects everybody else that you are either friends with in the city or working with in the city. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, whether, uh, you know, so certainly this is a really effective campaign for everybody in New York City. Whether has a resonance beyond uh, beyond in New York and to other people in the state, you know that's more of a question. But it's mm-hmm. it's, it's the most effective uh, campaign you could have for New Yorkers, certainly.
1: It definitely. I mean, it feels like low hanging fruit, but it's also like, please fix this fruit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <that's> yeah, fine. <laughs> uh, cool. And we we do want to note too that she didn't exactly ask for or get permission from the MTA to use this kind of iconography. Right. She so, made shirts
2: too, right? She made yeah. shirts with oh. it.
1: And that's, I think, where
2: it crosses the line. Like sure. just making it little like Twitter cards, whatever. Right. No big deal. But then when it's a shirt with the actual signage. You're making
3: money off of our image.
2: Right. That's a right. – maybe should have thought about that before – Selling those,
1: but then again, it's like just put the proceeds into the trains, and we'll be like, Yeah, okay. Oh my god, perfect. (laughs) I don't know that that's how politics money works, but whatever. Buy a t shirt,
3: (laughs) put in the train.
1: (laughs) Uh, perfect. So that's kind of the the couple news topics we wanted to hit today. How y'all feel about talking about an ad worth watching? Y'all ready? Yeah, yep. Okay, so I feel like we we talk about Spotify pretty often, but it's always for a good, fun reason. Uh, So this week they, or I guess last week when you're listening to this, I don't know if every episode we're going to mention that we record on Friday and release on Monday, but there's a peek behind the curtain for Mm -hmm. you. Uh, Spotify recently, uh, again in New York, um, so sorry folks, it's in a few other markets as well, um, Spotify released uh, both some really fun and kind of witty outdoor ads, like billboards and within subways, in addition to two uh, really fun kind of like fake movie trailers um, that they'll be using as as commercials and on social. Um, and guys, I laughed at an ad, right? Same, same. You mm-hmm. liked it, right? Oh, like yeah. it was so funny.
2: Yes, the Miley one, the yes. very first one is.
1: <laughs> so let's let's take a little listen into into this first spot titled Chase, um, which is again it's a parody of a movie trailer. At first, you don't kind of know that it's a parody yet, until they they kind of hit the really funny joke a couple of times, and then it's just like a really fun minute of ad. So let's listen to that real quick. so funny. Like, I don't know it's, the last time uh, I laughed at an ad like really this. really solid. What it's did you guys really
3: think? I, I was really into the visuals of like, oh, they're doing some Narcos thing. This is a Netflix ad. And then the Miley Cyrus just kept popping up. And then a man jumping out of his car and asking the classic question, can you please turn that up?
1: <laughs> Punching into a windshield.
3: And smiling and just like, oh, we're all jamming yeah. out to Wrecking Ball. And then the other person comes through and also ask. Turn it up, please. And mm-hmm. then they came in like a wrecking
2: ball. <laughs> I really love the absurdity of it, yeah. you know, because it starts and you're like, oh wow, there's like a chase going on, and then the guy's face when he hears when he recognizes the song is like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, <laughs> stop everything, is that Miley?
3: My favorite point is when they're smiling at each other mm-hmm. and they're singing together, which is something yes. I was like, this is this is cute. Mm-hmm.
1: Now the the entire campaign is called "Love What You Love." So it's kind of, I think, maybe recapturing the quote-unquote guilty pleasure that some of us might use Spotify for. Some of us who maybe didn't know, you could hide what you're currently listening to and embarrass yourself all over again. You know, may have some fun playlists that you like listening to. So that's what some of the other outdoor ad sort of plan as well. And in general, the entire campaign is for the free version of Spotify. So it's not trying to push its premium subscription or even its student packages. It's kind, It even ends up poking fun at like, here's a song you're listening to. Here's a song you're listening to. Here's an ad for something you don't need. Here's a song you're listening to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's aware of kind of how it, you know, budges into people, um, which I kind of appreciate. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek it's not that we're not aware of Spotify's free service, but I kind of appreciate, I don't know, it's like a fun attitude to take toward it, especially in a city, um, again, it's it's in New York, but it'll be also running in, including markets in the UK and Mexico and Brazil. So kind of like community outdoor, sort of like, I don't know, it's summertime, fun-loving <laughs> zones.
2: I feel like they definitely know their target audience really well, mm. just from the examples of the music they choose, and then like like, music, music, ad. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, it's okay. Yeah. We know you. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it feels super relatable mm-hmm. and really fun. Yeah. Um, also,
0: what? I think because even though it, it, this is for the free service and not for the premium service, you have that added benefit of kind of brand association. And I think one problem uh, that we're seeing in kind of the streaming music wars is that a lot of these services are pretty much the same thing right now. So mm-hmm. Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Spotify, and there's not much of a the- distinction. Them so when you can break through with a campaign like this, even if it's for the free service, mm-hmm. um, it just makes Spotify feel different and and funnier and fresher than the other ones. So I think it was a, a really smart move on their part.
1: Yeah, and we we uh, ended up doing a follow up interview with uh, Spotify's global uh, ECD Alex Bodman Bodman unclear uh, to kind of understand what went into it and because they keep doing these really fun and bright out of home campaigns, which again, this is an audio format. So like, please go read the post and see the funny pictures. We also put it up on our Instagram. So you can see a few, um, at ad week, follow like subscribe, uh, and it's just really, really fun and really creative. So check out the the initial post. Check out our our follow up interview by Katie Richards. It's a really fun, very summary and actually funny mm-hmm. ad. Yep. It's so rare when that happens. It feels rare. Am yeah. I jaded? Is it me? No, I feel like there
2: are a lot where you're like, oh, I see what they were trying
1: to do, but
2: mm, right. like it doesn't all, always it's land. Like, ah, like not that great. Mm-hmm. But this it really landed. Yeah.
1: There's also a, a spoof of kind of a horror movie. Which did I mean? It spooked me a little. I'm not a big horror movie person, but it was a really funny still, you know, Mm -hmm. take on that which I appreciated. No, (laughs) don't play it. Don't play it. That song did get in my head. (laughs) Sorry. No, 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 no. Eek. (laughs) Uh, So that's it for for ad worth watching this week. Check it out. Uh, You know, yet again, Spotify is is nailing kind of the out of home game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did want to do just a mini segment. Uh, it's not official. It might be recurring based on how brands go. Uh, real quick, guys, font watch. <laughs> Hashtag font watch. Thank you. Uh, we have another brand font, and I guess it's fun. It's by Arby's, whatever. We we keep seeing more and more of these. I don't know. Do fans end up using these fonts? Is it just fun to see new fonts? I like fonts. Anyways, it's kind of uh, – it's fun. Uh, it follows a trend of kind of um, – Airbnb released mm-hmm. a font recently called Serial. This Arby's font uh, is called, oh, I have it here. The font is called Saucy AF. Oh.
3: Yeah. Is
1: that what we are <laughs> as a society? Uh, and recently Netflix also released or kind of made people know that it kind of had its own custom font as well. So for what it's worth, I guess brands are putting in the extra mile to make sure everything is theirs and fun and...
2: People really seem to respond though to design and design oh, yeah. changes. Like, I don't know.
1: I'm mm. not that. I'm like, okay, yeah, it looks fine.
2: <laughs> but some people are, are really into it. So design I guess, is super
1: fun and yeah. they did put a lot of thought into mm-hmm. it. It just feels like more and more we keep seeing them just f- to f- what the, end. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we? Who is this for? Who is this for? Yeah.
3: Uh, it's for people who would like to make off, like knockoffs of those typefaces and be like, this is kind of sort of ish. I could just make real parody stuff on the internet with this font now.
1: Yeah, maybe just for design heads. Yeah. It's fun. I don't know. That was font watch. Hashtag font watch. (laughs) All right, guys. We're going to move on to our big discussion of the week. Uh, I'm so excited. We haven't, like, announced the cover as of recording, so I'm, like, really stoked to see it uh, and really stoked to read it. So let's get into it. And you're back and you're going to talk to us about reboot and revival television again. Are you ready? I am indeed. <laughs> I feel <laughs> I like would, you're an expert. You we're could...
0: we're going to revive our previous conversation about <laughs> revival because wow. there's a bunch of new ones to talk about
1: now. <laughs> oh, that made me so happy. Um, so, like we were saying earlier, you have spent a sleepless week covering up fronts and, you know, seeing all these stars and all these presentations. Um, what's up? Uh, this was a.
0: This was a more interesting week than usual in that normally when we have this week of, of all the broadcast networks talking about their new shows, mm-hmm. uh, everybody's talking about one or two uh, shows, a new sh- series that, that people are getting excited about this year, the kind of drama um, was not about, the, the drama wasn't restricted to kind of the new shows, it was more about what's going on with these networks industry wide mm. and CBS uh 2 yeah. days before they were on stage they they sued uh their parent company, National Amusements, over control of, of their future. So all of a sudden, out of the CBS upfront, the story isn't what new shows they have right. and their, their reboot mm-hmm. of Magnum PI and their revival of Murphy Brown, but it's Les Moonves coming on stage and getting a standing ovation from mm-hmm. a lot of people in the crowd. Um, you know, making it clear like they're kind of siding with him mm-hmm. versus Sherry Redstone. Uh, on Monday, we had Fox talking about. "Quote unquote new Fox, which will be their future if the Disney Fox deal goes through, because Fox cannot follow uh, the rest of twentieth century, twenty first century Fox over to Disney because one company cannot own two broadcast networks. Mm. So Fox will, along with Fox Sports, will be kind of marooned on its own. And they were they were basically kind of giving us a a a look at what new Fox will look like, Um, but then we're also just wondering." What the network will the network even be there at upfronts next year, and who will be involved? So so sure. there are you it's it's more industry, you know, there's so much industry change going on right now. Mm-hmm. and, with Mo and then Turner was also was also here this week, and you're wondering, well, is this AT and T deal ever going to go through, and what are they going <laughs> to look like next year? Or so, yeah. so it was it was an interesting year where where everybody on stage was trying to keep the focus on the new shows, but right. there was just this elephant in the room that sometimes was acknowledged and sometimes wasn't mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. what is going on, um, you know, kind of in a broader sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so after all of that, though, like. Did anyone win up front? Like what ended up what – what did you take out of it? Uh,
0: you know, I don't – this was a weird year because I felt like, and a lot of the buyers I've spoken with felt the same way, that there, uh, there was a very muted response to a lot of the shows. Mm. And I actually feel that part of that is peak TV. Like we've yeah. talked about yeah. before where this time of year there was – used to be this excitement about, okay, like I really need some new shows to watch and now we're going to have 20 of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now everybody's plates are so full that it's like, oh, the last thing I need <laughs> is 20 new shows on yeah. my plate to start to think about. And also, I think because of that, yeah. and because of what we're seeing from the streaming services about these just groundbreaking shows, that seeing the what the networks have put together, which is a lot of reboots and a lot of revivals mm-hmm. and, and a lot of trailers, if you look at them, we all have them online at adweek.com, that... Don't feel too groundbreaking. Again, you know the the for broadcast audiences, they're trying to get as many people as possible, so they feel like this is their best bet of doing that. But there just there is very little to be excited about um, compared to you know what Netflix has coming up or what Hulu is coming up or what FX is mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a little less overall excitement on that front. Um, I, I will say, you know, CBS always knows what they're doing. Their shows are always very on brand and their new trailers seem to be that way. Another thing I noticed is that there were a lot of networks who... Have new shows that are trying to be like the new version of This Is Us, which is mm-hmm. usually what happens. It's not the year after a show becomes a hit, but it's two years after because because, of production. because yeah. of, also because of development. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden you went so so. ABC has has their own version of it called A Million Little Things. NBC oh, no. and NBC has a <laughs> mid season show that's basically This Is Us in an apartment building called The oh. Village. So, okay, um, I'll watch that one. No, though. no. So you know, as 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 one buyer explained it, explained it to me, I think the idea is just like to try to make people cry as much as possible. That was the, well, yeah, well, the idea. That's,
1: so, yeah. I mean, oh, we can okay. all blame Parenthood for scheduling uh, our weekly cry session. Right, right.
0: Uh, but you know, especially when then This Is Us is able to do that and yes. become oh, you know yeah. on, on on such a huge huge yeah. level, everybody is trying to get a piece of that. So mm-hmm. so we certainly see that. So I it it was interesting this you know, in in talking to buyers. The feeling was there weren't any shows that really just blew everybody out of the water, but uh, uh, there also were not any shows that just seemed so awful that, uh, sure. that you could mm-hmm. tell already that they're toxic and you need to avoid them. So mm-hmm. it was yeah. a lot of middle-in-the-road, which could be good and also could be bad.
1: True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. I guess with peak TV, you still need like mid-TV. <laughs> Just, like, whatever. Yeah. I've always found it interesting that, like, streaming services never need seasons. Like, they can just drop stuff whenever. Do you think networks are getting affected by that? Uh, well, I
0: mean, all the networks are trying to, you know, they all talk about uh, about programming year-round. And mm-hmm. we were seeing a lot mm-hmm. more of that, where NBC certainly made the case, well, we feel like our winter and summer schedules are just as important as our fall. but. Okay. Most of the TV industry, the advertising part of the TV industry, still revolves around this September to May season, mm-hmm, and, it, mm-hmm. and until that changes, there's still going to be that that focus there. So, sure. um, and I don't see I don't see any change happening at least for a couple more years. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is as much as the industry is changing, a lot of things still stay stay the same, and upfronts week is one of those things that still stays the same.
1: Speaking of staying the same or coming back <laughs> and remaining the same in fall seasons. You want to talk to us
0: about our cover star? Our cover star. Oh. So we da, de, are doing – and no. uh, so two, that was my oh. For I will start by saying two months ago, this show was not even on the air. And mm, crazy. It it's a had a huge debut and has now become the number one show uh, of the season, both in total viewers and in the 18 to 49 demo that advertisers care most about. Our cover story is on Roseanne. And Roseanne Barnes and and Sarah Gilbert on our cover, who just had the success story of the season. Uh, one year after at last year's upfronts, they were on stage oh, yeah. uh, as a cast, and oh, and it was it was, it was awkward. Mm-hmm. Buyers didn't know what to expect. They right. were really it was very actually very off putting, mm-hmm. and um and then there was questions all summer like what's ABC doing? What is this show going to be? and then it comes it comes in and it has the 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 it was the most watched comedy i think since fall of 2014 a random episode of the big bang theory and it's it's just uh the numbers have fallen off a little bit but it's still going to be number 1 for the season and when you uh, ABC's uh, ABC's upfront last or this week last week when you hear this is mm-hmm. was was just Roseanne 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 Ben Sherwood who's the head of Disney NBC joked that they were going to do a drinking game um, for you know drink mm-hmm. every time Roseanne's mentioned and you would have been wasted by the end mm. end of the show because she was the big success story and um, and has really changed the uh the thinking behind uh we we, we've been having a lot of revivals but i think that we're going to see even more of that Mm. um you know this idea of of having a show that um appealed to kind of different parts of the country that maybe don't see themselves on on most of broadcast tv and specifically economically i mean you know we talk about you know abc's has has always been pretty diverse in their family comedies, but mm-hmm. maybe you know uh, Ben Sherman was telling me that economically we need to be diverse as well, and, yeah. and this was a show that everybody kind of flocked and watched and talked about, and uh, and kind of kept doing so for the whole season.
1: Now Anya and Josh, mm-hmm. as fellow millennials, yes. My first question: Did you watch Roseanne when it was first on? Nope. No. Wow. <laughs> Okay, um, I, I did. I feel
2: like it was before – when, when it did it air?
1: It started was. Before. I want to
0: say, 88. Yeah, but yeah, I remember was, watching it. I don't it mean went, from it, the beginning. It was on the air till 97, and then right. it was in syndication after that.
1: Yeah. Never. Never.
0: Not a part of my family
2: DNA. Nope.
3: Sorry. Me
1: neither. Now I'm curious as to why, because I remember watching it – I don't remember, like, making it appointment television, but I remember watching it with my family when it was on. Do
2: you
3: Whoa, want
1: to take this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well –
2: Let's just say I was watching The Fresh Prince of Bel Air.
3: <laughs> I was watching Family Matters. <laughs> okay, so we have maybe a,
2: like, this is a diversity this thing. This is a diversity thing. I, Non-white households were yeah. perhaps not watching Roseanne. Sure, like I'm not saying all, no, but, right. but like from this, no, I was just curious. Yeah.
3: So it's sort of just like one of those things. Like a lot of people grow up on different shows. Like yeah, a lot of people grow up on Friends. I right. grew up on Friends. I grew up on like Living Single. Like mm-hmm. I grew up on like other things. Sort of like that. Like it's just like. Roseanne never came into my household because I wasn't, like, I didn't identify with Roseanne. Yeah. Like, I mm-hmm. just, it's not a thing. It's just, like, I, I don't get it.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. I was asking because I haven't watched any of the Revival episodes. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. No, ne- no, neither have I. Both by choice and I don't have the time. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to yeah. prioritize a lot of TV shows. So, so do you TV guys, shows. like, what do you think – as people who didn't watch are now seeing it mm-hmm. come back, kind of why do you think it's resonating with people now? And it's within the 18 to 49 demo. So it's not just like older. our age and older who watched it first. It's mm-hmm. kind of younger people as well. So what do you think, yeah. if you have any ideas?
2: I think what Jason was saying about um, hitting a different demographic mm-hmm. than a lot of other shows, especially ABC shows. He was like Shondaland and like True. TGIT, all these super diverse and maybe, yeah. More upper middle class people, mm-hmm. right. And so maybe right now people are seeing themselves um in Roseanne, and they're like, "Oh, I can relate to that."
1: Yeah.
3: I feel like it's also just a lot of our generation grew up on the Nick at Night syndication end of it, right. so it's just mm-hmm. one of those things where oh, it's yeah. like, as you're falling asleep, you watch an episode or two of Roseanne, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, well, this show really spoke to me back then, and I feel like it familiar, my, it's familiar, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah,
3: it's the thing that we see like with a lot of these re- reboots, and which is just like it's mildly familiar, but sometimes mm-hmm. they may have changed stuff a little bit, but like Roseanne was just updated.
1: Right. And I mean, like Jason was saying, it's not – now everything is – what was old is new again.
2: (laughs) Basically everything
1: is coming back. It's kind of like when Hollywood only makes sequels to blockbusters for a while. Mm -hmm. So kind of wow. How is this one leading the charge when it comes to reboots and revivals, and what can we expect from others? Well, I think
0: that uh, you know one of the the lessons here um, for ABC is you know they they felt like after after the the results of the the 2016 election, it was a bit of a wake up call for them, and they. Uh, they were trying to look at, you know, are there parts of of the the country as ABC stands for America's Broadcasting mm-hmm. Company? Or, you know, mm-hmm. what are we not? What what aren't we getting here? What what message aren't we reflecting? And and so Roseanne, the uh, you know, th- this was a way to to try and do that. And I think the idea of the show is that there are. Um, there are different viewpoints on the show, but they're also—it's also tackling things that, that maybe we don't really see on TV, even for all of the. All the different shows that are on there, so
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, um, op- uh, uh, opioid addiction and, and healthcare, and like the end of it. You know, with, there's one scene where they're basically Dan and Roseanne and the, the premiere were kind of trading pills because they didn't have enough money to kind of pay for all the pills they needed, so they mm-hmm. were trying to figure, you take some of mine, I'll take some of yours. Mm-hmm. And single parenting, and 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 I think the the feeling, you know, ABC, the, the lesson here for ABC was that we're trying to create a show that you can watch as a family, that everybody you, you bring different viewpoints to. Well, maybe Make you talk or make you think about things. Now, that's not necessarily the lesson that other networks are getting from this. Okay, in okay. the rush to revive things, and Fox. I think certainly, yeah, I mean, I think you look at Fox, <laughs> which is which is uh, has just brought back Last Man Standing, and that was a show that there was some some controversy last year when it was canceled mm-hmm. among you know more conservative segments of uh, the media and 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 of the country, and then uh, in light of Roseanne's success, Fox. Which also produced the house, the, the show in house, so they kind of have some other right. uh, financial reasons to bring it back. They're bringing that that show back, and it's that's not a show like Roseanne that I think will necessarily have appeal to the entire country in the way that Roseanne is, is Mm -hmm. as the ABC execs kept telling me, if we were just appealing to kind of conservative audiences or to Trump, to Trump viewers, to Trump fans, the show wouldn't be getting the number that it is, which is, you know, would not be, I think we have 30 million people who watch the, the, the premiere. And, and, um, so I'm not sure that last man standing is going to have those numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll be interested to see some, well, something like Murphy Brown is coming back this fall, um, or yeah. that's also is very topical mm-hmm. and, and uh, what their take is is on that. But, um, you know, there is still, and whether it's a little bit of nostalgia right. for mm. for shows, um, you know, like, like you were saying with with Nick at Night and watching shows at Nick at Night or just, you know, watching like, you know, they don't make them like they used to. That's part <laughs> of it. But yeah. it was also able to be topical now in, in mm-hmm. a way that some revivals won't, won't necessarily be able to. So I think... You have a little bit of lightning in a bottle here. Um, that's not going to stop all the other networks for trying to revive as much yeah. as they can. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll kind of have to see how things shake out. Right now, the revivals have been successful. Will and Grace also did yeah. well. Mm-hmm. But at some point, one of these is going to come on the air and people aren't going to care. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. everyone's going to start to second guess themselves. And, the uh, a little. Right. Yeah. But, but, but for right now, it was a huge success story for Roseanne and a good success story for ABC as well.
1: Now, what was it like? She is, you know, on our cover. What was it like kind of getting to speak to her? And do you think when it does come back in the fall for 13 more episodes, do you think, you know, will it have lost any momentum or?
0: Uh, you know, she, she is very, it's interesting because in some ways she has mellowed a bit you know, <laughs> and she's the first one to say she, she's, you know, she's in her 60s now as mm-hmm. opposed to in her 40s and. One of the things she did on this show was was enlist Sarah Gilbert, who plays uh, her daughter Darlene, as an mm-hmm. executive producer to kind of fight the battles that she famously used to. So she's, you know, she's she says she's mellowed a little bit, but at the same time, she's kind of complaining, you know, in our interview that, like, nobody really told her like when the show was coming back even mm. though it kind of did so I mean it's 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 so there's a little bit of the old Roseanne in there <laughs> for good and for bad if you see her Twitter feed you know you mm. see a lot of both mm-hmm. um, in there mm-hmm. but she definitely still has it to a degree and um it was you know it was it's 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 a great cover the the the, the photos are really fun so I encourage everybody to uh, to see it and as for next year I kept asking everybody like are, are you do you think that the uh, that the success of this year is going to kind of weigh on you as they plan the, the next season, and everybody claims that they're going to try to put it out of their head and they're going to just keep doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Roseanne's very excited about being able to do a Halloween episode, which was mm-hmm. every season. Those were classic. Yeah, every season. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> those were classic. So she's really excited about that. Um, and they're, in, you know, they're just you know, ABC is also saying they just kind of hope that they that 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 Roseanne and the producers just keep doing what they're doing, and hopefully the audience stays.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, for all the revival fatigue, more to come. I feel like we just mm-hmm. keep hearing announcements and yeah. not all of them and, have come out. Yeah, yeah and there's yeah. a I mean
0: and also one one surprise for me during this upfront week was that uh, Mad About You, which Sony TV who has made that show, mm-hmm. they closed deals with Helen Hunt and Paul Reiser 2 months ago Hell and then yeah. they've been shopping it around and nobody has bit yet. Really? but you figure, feel like it's going to happen. They, yeah. they oh, yeah. the deals are made and especially in this, this revival mania people are going to Wanna, somebody's going to going to take a chance on it. Apparently, not a broadcaster, but mm-hmm. um, but it's still you know yeah, there's still more to come. And again, sh- this only came on the air two months ago when almost every network's development cycle had been done. The pilots mm-hmm. had been ordered, so there's a lot of scrambling now. So just because there weren't more things announced during this week's upfront doesn't mean they're not going to be coming in like the next year
1: or so. Great. All right. Well, I mean, I don't think we've convinced these two to check it out. I still no, probably may no. not click play on it. No, I have <laughs> a pile
3: of other shows to watch.
1: I not going to happen. There's a lot, That's you guys. not
2: my style. There's a lot but, happening. you know.
1: Uh, Regardless, thank you so much, Jason, for joining us, for keeping us up to speed with what TV we may or may not be watching. There's lots of it, and we appreciate you, at least, (laughs) tuning in (laughs) to most of it. We appreciate you. you Please enjoy (laughs) a weekend of sleep Yes, and do what you can. Don't get on any New York trains. Uh, Um, (laughs) uh, Well, thank you again, Anya, for co-hosting this week's episode. Of course. It was so fun. Yeah. How'd it go? I think it went pretty
2: well. I mean... I think this uh, ladies duo is pretty perfect. <laughs> pretty I much know. a
1: power couple? I, I would say so, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: 10 out of 10 would do again.
1: Oh, really? Thank you, Josh. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And thank you uh, to all of you guys for listening. Our theme music is by Home. This episode was produced by Anya Fernando and edited by Lane McGibney. Please take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. Does anyone use Stitcher? Let us know. uh, And let us know any other thoughts you have uh, by emailing us at podcasts at adweek.com. We like reading your notes, and maybe one day we'll read it on the show. I don't have access to that email, so (laughs) it may not be me who sees it first. Uh, Thanks again for listening. I'm Sammy Main, and we'll see you next week.
2: This episode was brought to you by Accenture Interactive. Accenture Interactive is hyper-focused on offering new connected experiences that flex to accommodate individual needs. See how we're creating greater experiences now at AccentureInteractive.com.